We all have our journeys, some long, some short, some harrowing and some easy. What kinds of songs does God think we need for our journeys? For hope, for trouble, or for joy? Join us as we learn to sing God's songs from the Psalms. So I have this tendency uh, to not really see where things are going to go. You see, my wife gets really frustrated when it might be before dinner or after dinner, right before bedtime. Something happens and a big wrestling match breaks out between me and my kids. It just happens. We're in the same room. Me and the boys just start wrestling. And my wife is like, don't you realize the reason the kids struggle to go to bed is because you're wrestling them right now? I, uh, I, I can struggle to see, hey, where is this all going to lead? It, I, when I was in, I think I was in college, I was at a park with my uh, family. And my family still tells this story that I, I said, hey, guys, I have an idea. And so we all got on uh, this kind of like merry-go-round, but it was like planks without like a handlebar. And I said, well, what if we all stand on here and walk in a circle? And my parents weren't nearby at the time. Again, I'm a college freshman, but some of my siblings are elementary school and probably even four or five. And everybody stands on it at the same time and starts walking because I didn't realize that the whole thing was going to move. The, the whole thing was going to move. And so within three seconds, I was the only person left standing. Everybody else had fallen. My parents had been across the park. And my mom tells the story that she... Was the thing that was going through her mind is how are we going to go to the hospital and explain that all of these kids broke their arms at the same time? All of these kids got broken bones at the same time because I can struggle to see, well, where is this going to lead? What's the end result of this all going to be? And that's kind of what our lives are like, isn't it? Like we go through life thinking Thinking through, hey, this is what I'm caught up in right now. This is how I'm going to try and manage whatever the mess I'm in or the decisions I need to make are. But like we, we struggle to see where all this leads. Where is this all going to go? What's going to happen at the end of all this? Maybe you've got decisions to make right now about work. And you're like, I don't know where all this is going to lead. This journey that I'm on, maybe it's, it has something to do uh, in your relationship with your kids. Where you're, where is all of this going to lead? Where is this this heartache? Where is this difficulty? Where are these late nights? Where is all of this going to go? Where 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 does the road that I'm on going to take me? Today is the last week of this three year journey that we've been walking through the Psalms of Ascent. Every Each summer for the last three years, we've been walking through the Psalms of Ascent. And this is the final psalm. Maybe, uh, a good way to think about it is that if these are songs that the people of Israel would sing on their journey to worship at the temple, this was like the culmination of all of that. that this is where the whole journey is going to lead. And at the same time, this is that, that kind of song for all spiritual pilgrims. Walking on a road so that we can see and enjoy God face to face. 
this song kind of reflects, I think, a lot of the heart of that. So that if you're like me, we can struggle to see where all this leads and begin to try and, well, 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 let me try to, let me just try to manage my way out of this. Maybe what some of us need is a song like this that says, this is where all of this is going to lead. This is where we're headed. So join me. Turn with me to uh, Psalm 134. Psalm 134. It begins, a song of ascents. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Let's pray. God, as as we get a picture here where all this is going to lead, the song that you want us to sing with our minds on the end of our journey, show us Jesus in this passage. In Jesus' name, amen. This this song, this song calls us to journey with our eyes on the dance of joy that's ahead. This, this, This song calls us to journey with our eyes on the dance of joy that's ahead. I want to show you here three actions regarding the end of our journey in this. Verse one tells us to remember on their journey, remember God's goodness, his protection, and his delight. Verse one, the song of ascents. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. There's a whole lot wrapped up in that word bless. It's going to be used in each of the verses here in Psalm 134. But to bless is to to remember God and his character and who he is and what he has done and then react based on that. To bless the Lord is to remember this is what God is like. This is his goodness. This is God's protection. This is God's delight. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. There seems to be this picture in this because one of the great festivals of Israel was a night festival. It had a massive lantern that would be that would be held up high in the sky. And so the Psalms of Ascent start Psalm 120 with like darkness representing the far places that we find ourselves when we're estranged and wandering and wondering how am I going to get here from worship to this darkness is danger in that moment. But here and when arriving in Jerusalem for a festival with a big lantern lighting things up and the worshipers all gathered around, this is a picture of joy and safety. And he says, it's as if the, the, the person on the journey comes to the city. It's late at night. It's lit up as the, as the priests serve in the temple. And this this call, come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. This this psalm is the saying that the night is not actually a threat in this moment. It's actually a moment of like intimacy and safety as things slow down and worship begins to happen. The 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 term that keeps being used, the, the Lord, the intimate name for God, bless the Lord who stand and then the house of the Lord, this intimate term for God. And so this first verse is a call to us to like pay attention to the one that we come to praise, that the point of our journey is not just to get to safety, not just to get to a place, not just to arrive at our destination, but our destination is actually to be face to face, to be worshiping with a person. 
with the Lord himself, the intimate name of God, and to call to mind his goodness and his protection and his delight. This is what God is like. There, We are one day going to come to the end of our journey, see him face to face and bless him, remembering this is how good he is. This is how he has protected us on our journey. This is what it is like to see God. And so the first action in this is to journey with our eyes on God, remembering his goodness and his protection and his delight. That is what it means to worship. It's to call that to our minds. This is what God is like. I'll be honest, that's actually something I really struggled with this week. Some things came up and I got I got really anxious in my heart and I know it's really hard for my wife when I'm when I was like this and I ended up realizing I have like forgotten the goodness and protection of God as if he doesn't care about me and isn't taking me somewhere. And here I am studying this passage this week. This week, I'm studying a passage that talks about remembering God's goodness, protection, and delight as as like the fuel for our journey. Fixing our eyes on the day when like all of that stuff will be in the past and it is delight and seeing him face to face. And then here I am struggling to think God has actually forgotten me. God has dropped me. God's not going to take care of these details. I was struggling to remember God's goodness, protection, and delight. And thankfully, through my wife and through another friend and through something else, I just took a moment and realized, actually, I'm acting as if God's not good, as if he's never protected us before, as if he's never provided for us before. And here I am, anxious and struggling to remember this. We, You and I, on our journey, need regularly to come back to this place of remembering this is the character of God. I'm going to bless God. I'm going to remember the actions of God. I'm going to bless God. I'm going to remember the protection of God. I'm going to bless God. So the application of this for you today might just be to take a moment and setting aside all of the worries about finances, all the worries about pandemics, all the worries about jobs, about children, about all of those things, and focus our minds on the goodness and protection of God. God, you have brought me this far. I might right now feel like I'm still in the wilderness, but I'm not going to fix my eyes on the wilderness. I'm going to fix my eyes on the end of this journey. God, in his goodness and his protection and his joy, and his joy. Right now, maybe maybe we need to just take a moment and say, this is what God is like. I'm going to put a marker down and say, this is where my journey is ending up. I'm, I'm not going to fix my eyes on all of these other things that have to go right. I'm going to fix my eyes on the end of my journey is this God of goodness and protection. That's where I'm going to fix my eyes. The second action regarding the end of our journey from this passage is to respond with our whole being. Respond with our whole being. Verse two, notice this. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. I uh, was thinking this week that sometimes we can struggle to understand a passage of the Bible because there's something like really like different. And so we can begin to like abstract what the Bible means. So uh, I actually have been talking about this a good bit. We can, let's say we can take, like love your neighbor as yourself. And then we begin to abstract what neighbor means theoretically instead of going, 
my neighbor's name next door is this, and this neighbor is like we we can begin to just like separate terms from the Bible from our real life. We're just not like literal enough, I think sometimes. And I was thinking about that in this passage because we can go lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. That means praise God. And I'm like, what if it actually literally means lift up your hands, bless the Lord? What if it literally means physically respond in worship to God? Bless, here's that term again, bless the Lord. This physical response, sometimes we can begin to think of ourselves only as our minds. I think it's interesting when other cultures sometimes would think of like the heart of your being or the center of your being is in your stomach or in your heart or in your head. Like every culture can kind of have its own thing. We might just say, well, I'm, I'm a, it's my thinking. I, I want to fix my eyes on God in my mind and I want to praise him. Or I, in my, my emotions, I, I, want, I want to worship God with my emotions. I think that those things are true. But Psalm 134 verse 2 says, lift up your hands. I think it is representing this idea that it's this call to respond with our whole being to bless the Lord. If I'm calling in my mind God's goodness, protection, and delight, if I'm thinking about those things about God, and I am responding in worship by pray, by blessing him, by responding to him, verse 2 calls us to use our whole being to do that. Lift up your hands to the Lord. And so sometimes I want my prayers to be with my face to the ground. Sometimes I want my prayers to be while I'm on my knees. Sometimes I want to pray with my hands over my face. Sometimes I want to pray with my hands out because I am a physical being. God has given me a mind and and emotions and he's given me a body. And he wants me to worship with all of those kinds of things. And there is something on our journey about not just going, well, theoretically in my mind, I'm on a journey. Actually, no, I am physically in my body going on a journey and I want to worship God with all of it. And so sometimes I'm going to lift up my hands in blessing the Lord. There's like a response in worship that God wants. Is is the response of who we are. This excitement that builds up in our bodies and in our minds and in our hearts and it wells up in praise and in worship on this journey. That's, That's the second action is to respond with our whole beings. This reminds me of um like when I get really excited, I physically respond to that. My, so I normally in the past studied for sermons in my office. I might do it in a coffee shop, but I, I knew this, but my wife didn't know because she hadn't seen me do this. That there comes a point when I'm studying a passage and I, I feel like I understand it well enough that it wells up with excitement and I can't sit down anymore. I have to stand up and I have to pace and I have to walk around and like I am physically responding to what I have like learned and come to understand. My kids make fun of my hand motions and they will mimic those when they watch them on video because I am physically responding to the truth of God's word. But I, I find I do that in other areas of my life too as well. A couple of years ago during the World Cup, which I'm a big soccer fan. The World Cup was in Russia a couple of years ago. And one of those, the low points of my life was when the United States didn't qualify. I was seriously upset for months until I forgave my, my soccer team for that moment. But I had to pick a new team. My last name, Radosevich, is Croatian. So I picked Croatia and began rooting for them. And then they started doing well. But they didn't just do well, but they did well in nail biters. Like the, the games were coming down to the final moments. They might score in the final moments to win a game. They might go into overtime and then go into penalty shootouts. And they did this game after game after game. And I remember one game in particular. 
that went to shootouts. And I was so incredibly nervous. And I have, my whole, the whole family is in there. My wife's not really into sports, but she had gotten into this and was starting to root for it. And there's just so much suspense. And we're rooting for Mandzukic and Rakitic and Modric and Subasic and Lovren. These guys, they're our heroes. And it feels like they're my brothers. And we're so excited. And I can't sit still. And my kids can't sit still. And so we're all kind of standing and we're pacing. And I'm not sure if I can watch. And I'm holding Oscar, who was about eight months old at the time. And it came down to the very final kick and the goalkeeper, Daniel Subasic, which I want to name a child after him, blocks the shot. And I held up Oscar over my head like Simba in The Lion King. I was pacing the house. I was so excited. My hands were in the air because my soccer team had won another nail biter. We got to live another day. We got to play another game. This passage is calling us to begin responding with our physical bodies in the same way that I did in that soccer match, to respond with our physical bodies and our whole beings, our whole selves as we worship God. On this journey that we walk down, we're not just walking in our minds, we're not just walking in our emotions. Like the truest expression of our Christianity is not a cup of coffee by a nice window out overlooking a lake in a journal. The, the, physic, the response that God wants is somebody who is responding to him with, with their arms in the air. Like, so the application of this is to say, God, I want to feel this so deeply. I want to worship you with every part of me. Not just my words, not just with my voice, not just with my thoughts, not just with my emotions, not just with my body. I want God to respond to you. And there is something in that kind of praise that delights God. That's the journey that he's inviting us to. With our whole selves to worship him. With our whole selves to respond to him. And so that second action regarding the end of our journey is to respond with our whole being. And the third action, as we journey with our eyes on the dance of joy ahead, the third action is to fix our eyes on the dance to come. And I use dance very specifically, and there's a reason for that. Notice in verse three that it is a reversal of everything else we have seen in this, in this, this song. You see verse one and verse two, bless the Lord, lift your hands, bless the Lord, praising God. Notice what happens in verse three. May the Lord bless you from Zion. Who, he who made heaven and earth. This is a reversal. That on the At the end of our journey, where does this end? It ends not just with us responding to God in worship, but with God turning the tables and blessing his people. This is, a, this is the reversal of the Bible. That what we expect is to go and be servants of God, praising him as he just sits in and soaks it up. And what we find when we face him face to face, we are going to find a God that reverses it. That's why I call it a dance. A dance where two partners are blessing one another. That's what we find here in Psalm 134 verse 3. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. We, his servants, walk on this journey. Hope that we can get to the end of it and not be waylaid along the way, not be misled along the way, not be overcome on the way. We get there expecting to be servants and instead find a dance partner as God himself blesses us. God blesses his servants and his sojourners. That's what we find at the end of this. That's why it's a dance of joy, is that as we lift our hands in delight and praise, we find a God that's actually responding in blessing towards us. You see, I'm not much of a dancer. At least I never really was before. Because uh, before I got married, I was 
honestly really self-conscious and any kind of dance move, I was trying to figure out, did I do this right? And what I discovered when I began to feel safe and began to feel loved and began to feel actually delight and fix my eyes on my wife, fix my eyes on my kids as we dance, I ended up finding out that finding that dancing works not, not when you're getting the moves right yourself, but when you're paying attention to your dance partner, moving with them, doing what they do and responding with delight in them. That's how dancing works at its best. If you look at musicals, if you look at dancers, you can tell the really good ones because they seem like it is flowing out of them, moving with and based on their dance partner. What we find in our journey is when we get to the end of it, God's not just going to sit there and look and judge us and say, how well are you doing, my servant? We're going to find that he actually responds with blessing to us. He he responds with delight towards us. The the journey that we're on is an invitation to a dance of joy. That is the journey that we're on. When we fix our eyes on God's goodness and his protection and his delight, responding with our whole being, what we find is a dance partner who is delighting in us. Little old me, little old you. Responding to us, that's the end of our journey. Is the God that it says, may the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Numbers 6 has this very, very, very similar blessing. Because this is the kind of God that we are dealing with. Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 6, verse 24, 25, and 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. This this is the dance of joy that we're invited to, is a God that responds to us in blessing. The God who initiates with us in blessing. So the application of this is, will we actually fix our eyes on the dance of joy to come? We might have hard roads that we're walking right now. The pandemic and quarantine and disruption, the the job difficulties, the uncertainty, the the relationships that seem to be so broken, the strife that dominates our culture, the injustice that we get used to. They feel like they're going to sidetrack us, lead us down, crush us, and leave us broken. But this song calls us to fix our eyes on the end of the journey. When the night is actually a night of blessing. When we are invited to be servants of the king. And when we find that the king responds in blessing to us. Not just receiving our blessing. But if you're like me. It can be so overwhelming. The things that we deal with. We look at our own lives and realize, I so often am not remembering God's goodness, protection, and delight. I'm instead thinking about all the things that God's not doing for me that I wanted him to do. We don't respond with our whole being in blessing with God and praise for God. Instead, we respond with harsh words and angry, God, what are you doing? Do you even care about me? We don't fix our eyes on the dance to come. We treat God like a vending machine saying, I prayed these prayers and I did these things. Why are you not doing what I wanted? Where's the good news for people like us? Who this passage is 
It sounds so nice, but it's so far from our actual experience, the actual way that we walk with God. It just becomes a weight of judgment. Hey, look what you've not done. Where's the good news for us? The good news for us is that Jesus fulfills and sings this song in our place. Jesus is the one whose heart was constantly his entire life directed towards his father, delighting in his father, going off privately to pray and to be alone with his father, living his whole life. And then even while he died in your place and in my place, was looking to his father's goodness and protection and delight and trusting that there is a paradise on the other side of this, that I get to bring these brothers with me into that place. Jesus is the one who constantly directed his whole heart with his eyes on the dance to come. Jesus is the one who sings this for you and for me. And so if we are in Christ, then this passage is good news for us. This passage is not a, hey, try harder to fix your eyes on the dance of joy ahead. There is a dance of joy ahead. God is inviting you to it. It is rock solid. There is nothing that will keep you from that. Now, now you can walk with Jesus' record and with Jesus' power and with Jesus' identity. Then this becomes a song that we can sing Knowing that when we falter and when we fall, it does not change God's opinion about us. It does not change the response that we will get when we get there. We will still find him saying, bless you from Zion. You might be listening and you go, I want to know that for certain. I want to know for sure that God has blessing when I reach the end of my journey. How can that be mine? The way that that can be yours I tell it in four parts. It's a four-part story. That God made the world and he made it good. And he made everything in it, said it is good. And he made Adam and Eve and he said they are very good. And he put Adam and Eve in a garden. And he gave them work to do. And he gave them one rule, explaining and expressing, I will be the king, you will be the little king under me. And you will submit in this one way. And Adam and Eve said, no, we will not submit to your rule as leader and as king. We will set up our own kingdoms. We are going to live our own way. We will disobey you. And that is my story and your story. Everybody has lived that story. We will be our own kings. God, we do not want to listen to you. The second part of the story is that that rejection of God is called sin. And God promises that he will one day punish all sin for eternity in hell. The third part of the story is that instead of leaving us there, Jesus came and lived the life, Jesus, the God-man, lived the life that we should live, died the death that we should die, and was raised to new life in our place. The fourth part of the story is that that becomes our story, that Jesus' life and death replace ours, take our place, give us his record, give us his power, give us his identity when when we repent of sin and trust in Jesus alone to save us. It is not our baptism. It is not our church attendance. It is not something that we do. It is not how much we read the Bible. It's not a list of sins that we have not done. It's not a list of good deeds that we have done. It is trusting, repenting of our sin and trusting in Jesus alone to save us. If you want to do that, man, leave a comment on this video. Reach out, go to belgiumchurch.com and 
send me an email. I want to know, I want to walk with you and help you understand what it means to have this record and to know that at the end of your journey, you will find a God who says, bless you and enter into this dance of joy. So what changes if our eyes are here at the end? What changes if our eyes are here on the dance of joy that's ahead? I wonder if the the little difficulties that we're dealing with begin to find their place, a different place in our lives. The difficulties that we face on a day-to-day, week-to-week, year-to-year basis, I wonder if they begin to find a different place in our hearts when the thing that dominates us is having our eyes on this dance of joy that's ahead. I wonder if that gives us a little bit more endurance. I wonder if that gives us a little bit more of a, I can keep going and I can put one foot in front of the other because I know where this road leads and it leads to a dance partner who says, come into my blessing and into my joy. I wonder if having our eyes on this moment allows us to do hard things, to take hard journeys that God has invited us on with confidence, not just I can grin and bear it, I can endure it, but with a confidence that the God who has called me to this is going to give me the strength to get through this. He's not going to lose me on the way. So I imagine a kind of inner strength, a kind of endurance, a kind of confidence changes the journeys that we find ourselves on. I wonder if the, the other way that they change us is it begins to put the pleasures and delights of this world in their rightful place. Instead of being wrapped up in how much can I get, how can I change other people's opinions of me, how can I accomplish so much with my life, how can I become something I wonder if we begin to go, you know what? Those things don't hold the power or the attraction to me that they used to have because I actually know what's really coming. I know what's really good and I'm fixing my eyes there. And I think that makes all the difference. Let's pray. God, as we pray, as we lift our hands to bless you, we are so grateful that we find your arms extended in blessing first. Help us fix our eyes on that. In Jesus' name, amen.